This is The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a podcast going beyond the politics and policies to focus on the people who lead in our communities, states, and nation. Conversations that restore the civility we need in our politics, while promoting the integrity we need in our leaders. The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a resource from Oklahoma Capital Culture. Well, welcome to The Leaders We Need. I'm your host, Joel Harder. On today's episode, we are starting a series of conversations about the new book, When Leaders Matter, How Civility, Integrity, and the Leaders We Need Are Possible. And I'm really excited to be joined by my friend, Cole Fakes, founder and president of So We Speak and the host of the So We Speak podcast. Cole, thanks so much for being here. Hey, thanks for having me on. Joel, thanks for writing this book. Really excited to get to talk about it. Well, Cole, our culture is struggling, particularly in politics today. People are bitterly divided, angry, hostile, fearful. Is this simply the way American political discourse is going to be? How are civility, integrity, and the leaders we need possible in the years ahead? Today, we're going to talk about leadership and civility and where to begin. Thanks for joining us on the Leaders We Need podcast. When Leaders Matter, How Civility, Integrity, and the Leaders We Need Are Possible by Dr. Joel W. Harder. Forward, written by Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt. In When Leaders Matter, Chaplain Joel Harder presents a three-step approach to engage leaders and restore the civility we need in our politics while promoting the integrity we need in our leaders. When that happens, leaders will be able to work and inspire our communities, states, and nation to address the real problems we are facing and navigate a way forward that will benefit all of us. When Leaders Matter, how civility, integrity, and the leaders we need are possible. Available now on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and BarnesandNoble.com. Well, Cole, I'm a huge fan of your work and all that you and your team is doing at So We Speak. For anyone who's not yet come across So We Speak, tell me a little bit about yourself and about So We Speak. Yeah, thanks, Joel. We at So We Speak are really trying to look at what's going on in our culture. A lot of things that we're talking about uh, on this episode through a worldview lens. And for us, that means looking at things through a Christian worldview, uh, but really trying to get behind what's being said and what's being written and what's being done down to the level of belief. What motivates people to do things? What do they think? Mm-hmm. Um, and analyzing how we are going to think about the world. And one of the things that we're trying to do is just connect the way that uh, our faith motivates us and drives us with what we see going on, even like on the Twitter feed that you pull up multiple times every day. Yeah. And so. Um, from our standpoint, one of the most important things we can do is integrate what you believe and what you do. And uh, our motto is to think Christianly about the world. And what we want to do is just encourage people that uh, there's more going on than meets the eye, typically, uh, that we need to stay informed about the world, but also not be conformed to the world. Mm-hmm. And so that's um, that's our mission. We're a media company. And so we do podcasts, we do blogs, we have a website, um, and we're really just trying to 
create spaces and and put out content that help people to do those things. Well, I have so appreciated really the the deep level of thinking that goes in to the work you do, the analysis, the uh, the way you kind of break things down systematically and really get underneath what's driving current events and also just the breadth of the topics that are that are covered. It really is um, a truly helpful resource and I've come to really value what you do and, and what So We Speak is, is bringing and providing. And so uh, I'm just honored that you're uh, jumping in to join me on the Leaders We Need podcast and, and dive into this book specifically. Well, when when writing a book like When Leaders Matter, there are a number of things that you're really trying to do as an author. Certainly, you want to communicate ideas that you believe. Uh, you want to help people understand your perspective in a way that will be meaningful or relevant, useful to them. But ultimately, you're really having a conversation with the reader. And I've been really looking forward to this conversation and the ones that we're going to have in the future because... You know, Cole, I'm actually getting to do that, have a conversation with with the reader. And so to get us started, you've just finished the book. What are just a few of your main takeaways? And, and I'll even go out on a limb and say both good and bad. Well, I really enjoyed reading the book and having gotten to see a little bit of the work that you do in the Capitol and outside it was a it was a great opportunity for me to understand both what you're trying to do and how you're trying to do it because it's easy to sit here and say we have a civility problem in our discourse or to say that there's a lack of integrity or perceived integrity in politics but it's something entirely different to say what can i actually do about it mm-hmm. and so i thought one of my major takeaways was i actually have a role to play I, there is, there are things that I can do, and some of it starts with my own character. Some of it starts with my own approach to leaders, and uh, you know, we'll talk about the way you lay out engaging in the book. But just a quick takeaway for me was realizing that leadership is primarily based on relationships, mm-hmm. it's based on trust, and uh, that means that if we have a civility problem. It's probably coming from both sides of the relationship. Yeah. And uh, while it might seem like my only relationship to certain leaders is over social media, which you talk about in the book, how to how to navigate conversations digitally, how to engage on a local level, uh, I really have to own the lack of respect sometimes or the kinds of engagement uh, that takes place. The, the other thing that I would say uh, before we dive into it is just realizing it's okay to disagree with somebody and still be respectful. Yes. That was a huge reminder for me. It's something that you know on a theoretical level, yeah. but need to be reminded how to go about that practically. And uh, that we actually need disagreement to make our society work the way that you know our, our, our society is put together, but it also has to rest on the bedrock of respect. Yeah. You know, I, I like to reflect that all the great... Um, uh, wisdom literature of of the ancient world and right up and uh, right up to today, really it goes to, to great lengths to convince us that no one person really has it all figured out. Mm-hmm. That we we really do have blind spots. There are things that we just can't see um, as clearly as we maybe think we can, and we need 
the perspectives of other people. And that's actually a helpful thing to truly navigating real problems mm-hmm. and finding real solutions. Right. And, and, you know, one of the things that's really obvious in the book is that the goal is not to get everybody on the same page on ideas or politics or culture, but to present an opportunity to go about what you just talked about, filling in blind spots, learning from other people, working together, collaborating in such a way that we actually move forward instead of backwards. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'd love to kick off by asking you a question, which is where did the idea of the book come from? Where, how did you develop the system, first of all, but then secondly, when was it or how was it that you decided, I've got to write this book? It, it really goes back to when I really started the process and the work of intentionally engaging leaders, particularly in the Oklahoma State Capitol. And just the, the journey I went through of thinking through uh, how I would do that well, how I would, I would actually engage leaders in a way that, that made a difference, that would actually impact them positively, encourage them to lead better. Uh, I believe that when our leaders are better, we are all better. And that doesn't mean you necessarily have to agree with them, but you can still encourage our, your, your leaders, even the ones you don't agree with, to lead well. And that will benefit all of us. And so uh, it really was a, a few years of kind of just thinking through and different opportunities to write and to speak to different groups um, that, that the basis of the book was coming together. Uh, and over the course of kind of organizing that, I really reflected that there's actually an approach to engaging leaders that I do. And it's not just for chaplains, and it's not just for uh, people of faith, but any anyone, um, no matter your background or your level of involvement in politics, uh, could take up this approach to engaging leaders in a way that breaks through the cycles of incivility. And so the book really grew from there. And what resulted was kind of three main parts to the book, three steps uh, to an approach to engaging leaders. Um, and that's, that's, that's where the book came from. Well, the obvious question is, you write a book, you give a method, you've seen it work. What's the goal you have for the people who are reading the book? Yeah. Well... I think it's so easy to give in to the idea that it's just not going to get any better. It's just hopeless. We are so divided. Nothing's going to bring us together. Um, or, you know, the old saying, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. It just, it's, we just see everything falling apart around us. And I just don't believe that. It is not the way that I, I view the world. It's not what I see actually play out in the Capitol and with the leaders that I get to work with, um, I actually see a lot of hope and a lot of promise. Mm -hmm. I also really wanted to convey an approach that was simple, that uh, was understandable, and was something that people could actually begin to use. There's a lot of this kind of work happening. There's really great people that are working uh, to confound those narratives that 
that it's just not ever going to get any better. Our leaders are just hopelessly divided and, and the partisanship is so strong. It's not ever going to get any better. And, and truly there are great people working, uh, to, to overcome that. And, and it's happening. It doesn't get the press it deserves. It's often behind the scenes, but we need more people joining us in the work. And so my hope in writing when leaders matter is that I would give some of my just personal experience and, and a behind the scenes look of what is actually happening in the leadership and legislative environment and invite more people to be part of this work of breaking down the cycles of incivility. And ultimately, it starts with each of us. We are all responsible for the culture. If civility, integrity, and uh, servant leaders who lead with integrity, if that's what we really want, then it should be that which we demand and that which we are willing to work towards. And, and it starts with all of us. But we also begin with our leaders. We cannot deny the fact that, that leadership and leaders play an important role in society. And I mean, if, if you've ever looked at the way things are going, whether you think it's good or bad, and you begin to, to believe the line that you hear every two and four years that this next election is the most important election of our lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, if you believe that, then you believe leaders matter. And so it starts with all of us, but we need to focus how our attention on how we actually engage leaders. And so I wanted to present a practical way to do that. So I think you're not alone in diagnosing a problem. And as you said, you're not alone in striving for something better than what we're experiencing in our politics and in our dialogue right now. Let's get to the method Mm -hmm. of what is it that you think is going to fix this problem? Or how do we become part of the solution? Yeah. Well, I present a three-step approach. And the first step is believe leaders matter. Uh, it's the first section of the book. It's a couple chapters. And essentially, the the emphasis of this section of the book, of this first step, is to acknowledge the fact that leaders do play an important role in society. And so I kind of look at different leadership theories. Um, I, I look at the, the realities of uh, what's going on in our culture, the problem of fear in our politics, the problem of disagreement, the problem of incivility. Uh, and and when we have breakdowns in our culture, in our society, we look to our leaders to solve them. We look to our leaders to at least guide us towards a solution. That is, that is the belief that leaders matter. Um, in this section, in this step of, of the process, uh, it involves a, a shift in our perspective, a change in the way we think about uh, the function of leadership. It's a change in the way we think about our role and really recognizing that our voice is important and can make a difference, not just at the ballot box, but right now your voice matters and can make a difference. So changing that perspective. Ultimately, what you want to what I hope you you understand at the end of this first step of believing leaders matter is to recognize that there's a difference and a distinction between 
actual leadership position and the people who are holding those positions and reclaiming and, and recovering a sense of understanding that they are people that are serving in positions of leadership. And if we will look at them as a person first, now we're able to have uh, a greater level of empathy uh, for the kinds of struggles that they have as a person. We can have a little more compassion for the kinds of, of stresses that they're undergoing. And we can also approach them with a level of respect that we would expect for someone who's engaging with us. So that's the first step. The second step then is to ask more for leaders. And this is really where my experience as a chaplain comes into play. Um, you know, we need a strategy that will actually work, uh, that will actually transform the culture. And, and the, the strategy that I draw upon is an ancient one that goes back thousands of years uh, to a time in which governments looked very different than they do now, where uh, leaders had unquestioned authority and power. And there's a letter that was written uh, from, uh, from a, a guy named Paul to a friend and protege that he was uh, mentoring named Timothy, who was leading a church in the city of Ephesus. And that was a strategic place. Um, it was the crossroads of the economic trade routes that connected the empire in the West to the rich resources in the East. It was a hub of governmental authority. That that was how Rome really uh, exerted its authority into the Eastern reaches of the empire. It was a very strategic place. And Paul encouraged Timothy to lead the church to impact and transform the whole culture of, of not just Ephesus, but the whole empire. And he says, start by praying for your leaders to be, uh, to be thankful for them and to pray, making intercessions for them, which is a kind of a, just a, a, a theological biblical term, which simply means to desire good for them. And so that's the approach that I've taken is to really, okay, if I'm thinking of leaders as people first, the second step is begin desiring good for them. Um, you know, desire that they are blessed, desire that they are healthy, that their families are healthy and strong, uh, desire that they would uh, lead with integrity and with wisdom. And, and as you do that, and as you let them know you're doing that, what will happen is, one, the, the, those urges within you, those tendencies that we all have to maybe uh, get very angry at our leaders or to distrust them or to even, you know, vilify them at times, just kind of dissolve. They, they, they don't have the kind of grip over us that they once had, but also you discover that, that when you let a, an elected leader know that you are that you are wishing them well, genuinely wishing them well. And if you're a person who prays, that you're praying for them to be blessed. If you're not a person who prays, that you're simply just desiring good for them, that really makes a difference. And you begin to have a different level of, of influence. Your voice uh, registers with them in a, in a little different way. And so that's the second step of the process. Finally, ask more 
of leaders. You know, we, we often want to run to this step. We know we want to ask more of leaders, and we are blessed to live in representative democracy where we get to choose our leaders and we get to engage them and advocate for the things we believe in. And a lot of times the things that you would want to ask of your leaders may pertain to a particular issue or challenge in your life and your in your work and your business or in your community. Uh, and it is good and appropriate to have those conversations. But in this approach, recognize that there's one more implication to thinking of leaders, first of all, as people. Before you ask anything of a leader, uh, first ask that they be a person of integrity. And so the, the third step of the process is to, is to really uh, ask them to lead with integrity. And you can do that in a very positive, encouraging way. And, and in the book, I, I list and discuss nine marks of integrity that we need in leaders today. So that's the three steps. Believe leaders matter, ask more for them, ask more of them. love the way you lay that out and especially that people you know you just keep coming back to the fact that people really are at the center of leadership and and remembering that positions and people are different even though there's people in those positions and uh keeping that third step third asking more of the leaders in the context of relationship and prayer um asking more for them, remembering their position and that the leadership matters. I guess one of the thoughts I had while I was reading the book is, yes, the people matter Mm -hmm. and the relational aspect matters, but the issues also matter. Yes. You know, the policies also matter. So where does legitimate policy disagreement come into play? Or put another way, a lot of our cultural dialogue has to do with faith and and different faiths and and some of those things just don't seem compatible. So where's the place for legitimate disagreement? Do we pretend like that doesn't exist or how do we engage that? Well, the place for it, as you already kind of mentioned at the beginning of, of our conversation, the place for it is in the context of an actual relationship. Um, it, it is very difficult to have a meaningful dialogue about difficult things where you don't agree when you don't have any basis of a positive rapport or relationship. You know, I, I, I really want to be clear about this because it would be a failure on my part and, and, on, uh, and of the book if you read this and you think, that what I'm saying is, is just set all agenda aside. It just doesn't matter. Just encourage people and hope one day we'll all sing Kumbaya and get along. Um, That is not what I'm saying. Um, Policies matter. The things that our elected leaders are, are working through, the bills that they are debating, the legislation that they put forward, the eventual policies that they do enact and get signed into law, they will impact and affect millions of people. They are important and they matter. Uh, That's why this process of positively engaging leaders in a way that creates the kind of environment where civility and, and good dialogue and debate can occur must happen first. The process and the three steps that I lay out in the book are all about Yes, 
take a moment, set that political agenda aside to focus on building the positive rapport and relationship. Because if a leader knows that ultimately you care that they lead well, that they lead with honesty and integrity, that they champion the principles which led them to run for office in the first place, even if you don't agree with them, that you care that they are uh, faithful to lead with integrity in those things, then you can have those conversations in a way that is far more uh, productive. And I have really come to believe if you're the kind of person that will go go through the work of kind of setting agenda aside and, and take up these three steps to build that kind of relationship with your leaders, then you will discover that your voice is more effective and, and meaningful when it's time to have those conversations. I also think if you will discipline yourself to kind of set the politics aside to encourage leaders first, you become a little more discerning about when it really is the right time to have those conversations. You know, there's a really good time to have a debate and there's a really bad time to have mm-hmm. a debate. And usually uh, usually it's the, the benefit of, of a calmer mind and heart that lets you know when it's the right time to mm-hmm. have that kind of debate. So, so yes, I, I don't want people to walk away thinking that, that I'm, I'm saying, you know, politics or political policies uh, are not important. They are. Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up because it's, it's not so much uh, setting aside of viewpoints and policy discussions and debate. It's putting them in their right place. Yes. And uh, the goal, I think, I know your goal is that we would actually have great policies as a result of this. I think, you know, one of the things we talked about earlier was, what's the goal of the book? Well, one of the goals is that we would all find the role that we have to play here. But I think another one of the goals from from reading it and from talking about it is that we would have better discussions, that we would have a better exchange of ideas, that we would have better policies in the end, a better political culture than we have right now. Yes. When... When the culture of incivility begins to break down, and it will, I really believe it will, uh, what will result is an environment in which more thoughtful, um, more sophisticated policy solutions will begin to emerge. And so that's, that is absolutely, I, I believe, not just the, the tone of debate, but the substance mm-hmm. can be elevated. One of the things you come back to over and over in the book and uh, that we've talked about uh, on this episode is just that people, it really comes down to people. People matter and uh, relationships matter. And at the end of the day, when we think about political dialogue, the end goal is to, in in the best light, help people. Yes. Impact people, make their lives better. And, uh, I just wanted to ask you if you if if you think about the scope and the impact of the book, I think one of the things that you're trying to do is to remind us all that people really matter. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I wanted to ask you how do you see this book reminding people, impacting people, uh, creating conversations where people really are at the heart of it. We often have a tendency to. Uh, distill our elected leaders down to some um, 
sort of just mere caricature of themselves, usually based upon their political party or the policies they seem to promote. Um, it really has very little to do with with who they are or what they believe or why they are uh, why they put themselves through the process and the and the and the rigors of a campaign to seek office. Um, essentially, what we're doing is, is we are we're reducing them to less than a person. And if there's one thing that we can agree on as a society right now, that's that's one of the worst things we you can do mm-hmm. is look at somebody as less than a person. And we all agree with that when it comes to uh, any number of people, but we kind of set that belief aside when it comes to our political leaders. No, I mean, well, they they, they sought office, so they just have to take it. Um, no, that's not true. They are people. So when you start with state and local leaders, you have the ability to start building a relationship and a rapport with them to help them and encourage them to be better leaders. And who knows, as the wheels of their political fortune turn, that that that's not going to help them be a much better leader in the future as they rise to higher office. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, focus that way. Uh, find every opportunity to to set those things aside so you're not you're not belittling or reducing them down to less than a person. Engage them as people. And now you're really able to to empathize, sympathize, engage them, and understand these are people trying to serve and make a difference that will help others. We don't always agree on the best way to do that, and that's okay. Um, you have the opportunity to encourage them to lead better as they do that. And, and whatever the end result of the ultimate policy that they enact will be, will be better because of it. And if, if our leaders are better, we're all better. Thank you for listening to The Leaders We Need with Joel Harder, a podcast from Oklahoma Capital Culture. Oklahoma Capital Culture is a nonprofit organization shaping a culture of civility, integrity, and servant leadership among policymakers through nonpolitical and nonpartisan engagement. Learn more about Oklahoma Capital Culture and how you can help shape the leadership culture at www.capitalculture.com. Original music heard on The Leaders We Need, provided by Scott Allen Matthews at mypodcastmusic.com.